Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers, and I'm joined by my good friend Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we are coming back to you with another episode of the podcast, this time coming off of a Monday night football victory over the Los Angeles Rams. Braun, the Packers playoff hopes, they're still alive, sitting here at 6 and 8 after a 24 to 12 victory over the LA Rams. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really, really good. Really good. You know, a lot of things went our way this weekend. We see the Commanders lose to the New York Giants. So now for the rest of the year, we're going to be rooting against the Commanders. And we're, of course, going to be rooting for the Packers to win out. We needed them to win this game, of course. And they did win this game. They looked really good. I don't think the final score tells you the whole story of how dominant this victory was. Because to me, it felt like a dominant victory. Great great Sunday of football. Great weekend of football. And it it's capped off by a Packers victory. The second in a row... I'm I'm just I'm ecstatic right now. If you can't tell, we are recording this right after the game ended. The game ended about an hour ago, so these are our live, raw, authentic reactions to the game, and I am still riding the high of the victory. Braun, how are you doing? Griff, what a win! Our playoff hopes are alive and well, in my opinion, because now it seems like and it feels like, based on the results of this weekend and the game we just won, everything's in front of us, and and it's it's kind of almost in our own hands. And that's really the the most difficult part of this whole thing. We we talked about it is is trying to go and win all these games in a row uh, and win out. But we're sitting here two wins in a row, uh, which is more than most points this year. So um, this is a place where we want to be playing some of our best football going into the final stretch, where we need to win these final three games, get a little bit of help. But this is where we want to be at. And it was a very encouraging performance with some flaws. It wasn't perfect, but it was certainly something you want to take in and build off of moving forward as we're trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, this was not one of the games that I was worried about. When you're looking at our upcoming schedule, it went Rams, then we go Dolphins, Vikings, Lions to close it out. The Rams was the one, definitely the easiest game of them all. The Rams are not a good team. I don't think anyone was really concerned about the Packers losing this game. I mean, they've lost a lot of games, so of course it was a possibility, but I felt really confident about them coming out, coming off of the bye week at home in the cold, Monday night football. I felt good about them winning, but really what I was more concerned about was how how good are they going to look? And I think you can relate to this too, Braun. We were concerned about were they going to come out here and look like a playoff team or were they going to win ugly? Were they going to win by one score and let it be a defensive battle against Baker Mayfield and this terrible Rams offense? But despite the score only being 24 to 12, we only win by 12 points. We only score 24 points. I don't know, Braun. At halftime, I was saying the same thing, where at halftime, we were up 10 to 6. But to me, it felt like offensive dominance by the Green Bay Packers. But there were just a couple things in there, like the Aaron Rodgers interception in the first half and the Aaron Jones fumble in the second half, where maybe we we should have scored more points. But once again, we just keep getting in our own way. Luckily, we were able to win the game. The defense played well. I think it had more to do with the Rams offense being so bad. But it wasn't a problem in terms of us losing this game. Um, Um, Our own offensive mistakes didn't get in our way, but um, overall, I think it's just those two mistakes, really, because outside of that, the offense looked really, really good, in my opinion. They were moving the ball well, they were scoring touchdowns when they needed to, the run game looked good, the passing offense, this was the best the passing offense has looked all season, I think, (laughs) that might be recency bias, but they, they looked like they could do anything they wanted in the passing game. I was really, really impressed with the offensive effort tonight. Something about the ease with which... Aaron Rodgers in the passing offense was able to get those first downs and, and churn out some long drives. I think that was a little bit unique to anything we've been doing this year on that side of the ball. 
It was a different feel, that whole game. But again, it was a weird first half, and I was a little concerned with the fact that it felt like a lot of other times this year. But this one was a little different because we were playing so well, I thought, in the passing game, but we still only had 10 points at half, and it just felt like we should have more. And you just kind of get a little fed up with that part of it, the way we've been playing. It feels like every game we left so much out there. But in this game, particularly in the first half, I was thinking we could easily have 21 points going into halftime here, and it just wasn't the case. And a lot of weird little things happened. That Aaron Rodgers pick, he kind of said he was like, you know, Allen, it looked like he didn't see the ball or... or he kind of just stopped and expected Rodgers to kind of hit him in the hole. But instead, uh, you know, Rodgers threw it trying to give it to him to go kind of along, not even just the sideline, but to keep have, have him keep running with the ball. But instead, Lazard was kind of, I guess, thinking that he was going to get it popped right in the spot. But whatever the case is, that was a weird pick because it looked like they were so out of sync. And Lazard, to me, had a pretty bad night. But that's been, you know, mostly consistent with him. He just has not been good. You know, he hasn't been what we had hoped as a wide receiver one. Luckily, guys like Christian Watson, who made some plays tonight, and Romeo Dobbs, who seemed to get open and made plays a lot tonight as well, those guys have kind of stepped into bigger roles and helped compensate for some of the lack of stuff we were hoping from Alan Lazard. But with the offense in general, in general uh, I think the running game was pretty strong in the first half. It tapered down a bit in the second half, but... Uh, overall good performance excited to see where they can build off of this one because there were some weird things like I said that I don't think are going to occur again it was officiated weirdly this game and just some just some interesting things that happened that you felt like that's not normal and and we were just so close to (laughs) I think putting more touchdowns on the board for instance, like that, to end the game, kneeling at the one-yard line is just another part. I mean, like, that's this just... This was a weird know, game, bro. <laughs> it was really weird. Like, I, I just... Some of the instances where I thought we were going to score a touchdown and didn't. It was just bizarre. <laughs> you said a lot of things that make you say, that's not normal. <laughs> no, there was plenty of that, man. Including, I want to talk about this interception in the first half because... Oh. When you watch it live you're thinking this is one of the worst throws Aaron Rodgers has ever made, you know? So to to take us back, when we're watching live, Ron, we see Rodgers go to throw, camera pans, we see wide open, big guy, Alan Lazard. We're thinking this is a great play. This might be a touchdown. This is offense right here. Then we obviously see the ball just go right over his head, and it looked like he threw it to Taylor Rapp. Such a strange play. Um, Rather than that being such a terrible throw which is what it looked like it was clearly a miscommunication i don't think i don't think <laughs> i don't think aaron missed him by that much um and it sounds like alan lazard i haven't seen the interview but i did read a tweet it sounded like alan lazard admitted to that being a miscommunication lazard put the blame on him aikman on the broadcast troy aikman was talking about how he expect Rodgers probably expected Rod or Lazard to keep running, like you said, Ron, to keep running to where he put the ball. But in my opinion, and Peyton Manning on the Manning cast kind of highlighted this too, in my opinion, why on earth? I, it looked like Lazard read that right because there's there's this, they were playing two shell all night. The, the Rams were on defense. There's a safety over top of the play. They're keeping everything in front of them. The safeties are. So Lazard, I think, makes a correct read there by sitting down in the hole because I think he's trying to get on the same page as Rodgers. You know, so much of playing with Rodgers, so much of playing receiver for Rodgers is about being on the same page mentally, doing the unspoken stuff on the fly. And it felt like Lazard did the right thing. But clearly, 
<laughs> Aaron did not expect him to do that, and uh, he threw it right to Taylor Rapp. So that was a, one of those plays, Ron, that make you say, this is not normal. Not normal at all. But outside of that, Rodgers, I think, played really well. I think this was one of his strongest games of the season, and I think this was uh, December Aaron Rodgers in full effect. Yeah, so when I think back to that play, Griff, I as soon as that happened, I was thinking... Why did Lazard turn up and face the ball? He posted up looking for the ball. He turned his whole body directly to the ball. And I'm thinking, you know, if I think Rodgers is expecting... This is our 50-50 guy. Lazard is our contested catch guy, right? He's supposed to be, at least. He's a big body. He's bigger than most of the guys out there, including Taylor Rapp. I think Aaron Rodgers is expecting Lazard to maximize... Rodgers is throwing to the spot where Lazard is running. I don't think Lazard... But Rodgers throws this ball, right? He's open. Lazard is open. I don't think Rodgers in his mind is thinking Lazard should stop and catch the ball at this spot. I think Rodgers is thinking, let me hit, let me have Lazard go and beat Rap to the spot, even if Rap is bearing down. If Lazard beats Rap to that spot, which he very well could have, I think he's expecting Lazard to make that catch even while getting hit by Taylor Rap, Even if there's contact there, I think with that play, Rodgers hitting Lazard in stride, if Lazard continues to try to go and catch the ball, um, I think that play is made, and I think he expects that play to be made. So I just don't understand Lazard's thinking there. When, when, when Rodgers throws him the ball and he's running down the field wide open, what made Lazard decide to stop and post up looking to catch the ball just <laughs> in that zone? So that, that's, that's just my you, opinion. You would think that would happen with one of the younger receivers, but Alan Lazard is supposed to be the guy that Rodgers trusts. Like, that's the reason he's getting snaps. That's the reason he's still a Packer is because Rodgers clearly trusts him. And he, he does things well. But mostly, I would say, is because he's been able to get on the same page as Rodgers, which we both know, Braun, is not an easy thing to do. So it was surprising that it was Lazard that this happened to. Um, and it's weird because now Rodgers is at 10 picks, and I think you would agree with me here, uh, not a lot of those interceptions feel like bad throws. It, it doesn't feel like a 10-pick season for Rodgers in that he's like regressed. I mean, statistically he's regressed, but it doesn't feel like, from the eye test, it doesn't feel like he's regressed any. But he has thrown 10 picks after all these seasons of the absurdly low number of interceptions. He's now at 10 picks. And at halftime, Braun, you were the one who said, because I said that looked like one of the worst throws of his career, and you were like, it feels like we've said that a lot this season. And it really does. It feels like a lot of these, it, it, whether it be miscommunication or bad throws, because there have been bad throws in there. But there's been a lot of mis- miscommunication this season. And when it's a guy like Lazard, that is surprising. Lazard had a weird night to me. I just feel like he didn't have a good night. And it's been a stretch of games for him. And to me, when I look at some of the things he's doing, it just he seems like he's... Anything not right in his lap, anything not thrown right between the numbers to him, he just has no interest. Like he doesn't want to go dive for a ball. Like he just there were plays <laughs> where Rodgers had to get out, and and I think he only had two targets. But his one other target was a ball that I felt like he could have tried to go after, but he just didn't. And it's just I, I'm not saying this is a consistent thing because he's a great blocker at times, although not this year, uh, Griff. If you want to kind of get into that number, but uh, <laughs> I just don't know. I don't know what the deal is with him. We just have some, we had so much higher expectations for him. And when he's thrust into this number one role and not playing up to the standards, it's, it's a little aggravating. <laughs> I don't like opening this show after a big win on Monday night, just <laughs> pooping on Lazard. But I've been meaning to say this on like the last eight podcasts, it feels like, but according to PFF of all receivers with like one, with at least one run blocking snap of all wide receivers, Alan Lazard has like the lowest grade 
of every single receiver in the NFL. It's like 34.7 or so. I don't have the number in front of me, but isn't it is an embarrassingly low run blocking PFF grade. And that's supposed to be the thing that Allen does well. So, um, yeah, Allen, he's disappointed this season. But I, enough about Allen, Braun. This is supposed to be the exciting show. This is supposed to be the exciting yeah, wait, show. Wait, let's, let's, let's get into the exciting parts of the fact that we just won. Yeah, we did just win. We won a football game. We're 6-8 and eight now. Romeo Dobbs, his first game back, he's targeted five times. Five catches on the night for 55 yards. Oddly satisfying stat line for him. Uh, he looks really good. Roger says after the game that... Joe Buck and Troy Aikman asked him during the week, you know, what's the difference between Dobbs and Watson? And he talked about how valuable his route running is because Watson at 6'5", he's very raw, very explosive, but he's not the best route runner. And it turns out no one in that receiving room really is a really great route runner. And Romeo, he does bring that to the table. He had on one of his catches, I clipped it on my Instagram, he just totally routed up this cornerback for the Rams. Just like put him in a blender without even being contacted. It was it, The Rams were playing off coverage all night long, but Romeo still had a really, really crisp route. He's catching with his hands, which is another thing that uh, Rodgers highlighted after the game. He just looks like... He just looks like he's ready, and it looks like Watson is ready, of course, as well. We're going to get into Watson here in a minute, but Romeo Dobbs, so he's injured week nine on the opening drive of the Lions game. He's injured, injures his ankle. He's been out, you know, since then. And week eight against Buffalo Braun, if you remember, on Sunday Night Football, that was kind of a breakout game for him. He had a lot of really nice catches in that game, including a touchdown in the end zone, which was one of the best catches I've ever seen from a Packers receiver not named Devontae Adams. That was a crazy, crazy acrobatic catch. That was his breakout game. Then he gets injured week nine on a 10-plus yard catch, mind you. It was a ten, it was like a 15-yard catch that he got injured on on the opening play of the game against the Lions. He's been out since then, and he comes back, and it looks like he hasn't missed a beat and so now we pair him with Christian Watson we have Randall Cobb who had another really good game Alan Lazard does some things well this feels like a good group now it feels like both the young guys you know we've complained so much this season about how Gutekunz has put both Dobbs and Watson in a position where we have to rely on them they have to grow up too quickly and they're clearly not ready but now it feels like we're at a point in the year we're at a point in their both of their young careers where it feels like they are ready and this feels like a very complete group to me and I guess that's the price you pay right Griff like to to have these rookies relying on them right away and we're sitting here at six and eight who knows what happens if they have a veteran in place to help them kind of be strung strung along a little bit easier and a little more quickly um, they actually just cut that veteran uh, on this fine game day, Sammy Watkins, which is a decision <laughs> I don't even wow. want to get into that. I don't even want to get into the timing of that decision because it's just another. Well, I kind of do because Matt said after the game that it was really because they had to elevate Patrick Taylor to be running back three tonight. And it sounds like Sammy was just the the ranked number 53 on their roster. Well, my problem is why do they not do this yesterday even or three days ago? I don't understand why they have to do it right before a must-win game. It just makes no sense to me. I mean, the morale, everybody in that in that locker room, in that receiver room, including the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, everybody loves Sammy Watkins. I'm not saying it was a move they shouldn't have made because he did not play well after that Week 2 game that he broke out in. He just, it didn't he had happen. One, one big catch, that's his breakout game. <laughs> he, he had, he just was not, he hasn't been good, he wasn't playing well. And that's fine. Should they have released him? Probably. But my issue is with the timing of it, especially because he's a veteran that a lot of guys like, and he, the young guys relied on him heavily. I just, I, I think it does nothing good for the team's morale, and if anything, it, it makes it worse. You know what I mean? It, it did not, 
I'm not saying it definitely hurt them, but it, it couldn't have made anything better. And when you're doing that on the day of a game, it just makes no sense to me from a team locker room standpoint, a people management standpoint. And that's just something, again, I continue to not understand the, the management skills of this front office. <laughs> it was a surprising move, definitely. I did not see it coming. Um, caught me off guard. But I do think that he obviously no one's going to sit here and say that Sammy Watkins was bringing anything to the table for this team. But uh, he was actually taking away snaps from some guys who probably deserved more opportunities than uh, Sammy. Another guy who I think will benefit from that and hopefully will see more playing time is Samori Torre, who I thought has showed flashes over the course of this season. And I'd like to see him get more opportunities to maybe show what he can do. And look, now we're pretty, what are we, five deep here, Griff, on guys that we feel like we can probably put in the game okay because we've yeah, cut Amari, yeah. we've cut Sammy. We've got five receivers on the roster right now, and I feel what good about that Winfrey? five. Where's he? Is he on the P-Squad? I haven't heard from him in a while, though. Why would you want to? <laughs> Fulgham's still there, too. If Fulgham's on the, on the practice, practice squad right now? Yeah. Wow. Man, we've got, we've got a lot of great players on this team, don't we? Um, I mean, Romeo Dobbs, he's coming in. I, I still love him. If you remember these training camp episodes, he was my training camp crush. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not unique for saying that. Everyone loved Romeo. And we saw some really early rookie struggles with him. A lot of mental mistakes, it looked like. But now he's ready. He's come in, and he's catching all five of his targets tonight. Another guy, another rookie, Christian Watson, continues his really good play. No touchdown tonight. At the end of the game, looked like he uh, probably should have had one. But uh, mental error on his part. But no touchdown for Christian Watson. That doesn't stop him from having a strong game regardless. He gets six targets, four catches for 46 yards, uh, a long of 15. I mean, he just looks like he is playing with so much more confidence at this point in the season than he was early on. Because he, he, he looks like a polished, developed NFL wide receiver. And it's not just the explosive plays. We didn't have any explosive passing plays tonight. None. I don't think we had one 20-yard play. I might be wrong, but I don't think we did. I can't remember one. Um, but Christian Watson, he was playing in the, the intermediate range. He looked really good. I know there's one play that I clipped on Instagram where he's running like a, a dig route and he kind of sits down right in the hole of the zone. Rodgers throws a dart under pressure, just an absolute laser. And Christian just braces himself for the hit takes a big hit, hangs on to the football, looked really good. And so it's not just, he, a lot of people want to compare him to MVS naturally because of the speed, but I think he's shown a lot more than what MVS brings to the table. He's showing the ability to be a, a every single down NFL wide receiver and a true dominant player for this pack, for this Packers team. And late as we push for the playoffs here, Broad, because this is a real thing we're hoping for now. He's going to be relied on every single week, so it's nice to see him. He hasn't turned into a pumpkin or anything. Griff, we are hoping for the playoffs, and let's just talk about it here. We have a new updated version of these Packers playoff scenarios. What is it going to take for Green Bay to make the playoffs? It's still Packers have to win out. That Nothing's changed. We did just win a football game, which is great, but now we only have to win three more games. Three more games plus... Washington now is the team that we're focusing on losing because they lost to the New York Giants. So in terms of these two teams, Washington just needs to lose two of their next three. They play the 49ers, they play the Cleveland Browns, and they play the Dallas Cowboys. I see two losses there, in my humble opinion. I see at least two. And then you look at the Seattle Seahawks. Maybe three. Seattle Seahawks is the other thing. Uh, They need to lose one more game. They play the Chiefs next week. 
Enough said, really. <laughs> so those are the uh, yeah, the Chiefs just uh, Chiefs just went to overtime with the Texans. But I get your point. Yeah, yeah, the Chiefs yeah. should absolutely win that game. Well, I can put their schedule out there just for the sake of it. But they play the Chiefs, the Jets, and the Rams, who we just beat. The Rams, obviously. Um, and then in terms of the Giants. They're not really a factor for us at this point, but and if for some reason the Washington football community lo- win two of their three <laughs> final games, <laughs> if for some reason they win two of their final three games, we can look at the Giants and hope that if for some reason they were to lose all three of their remaining games, that is still a scenario where Green Bay could get in, but it just doesn't seem very likely. They do play... The Vikings, which they might lose that, but they also play the Colts and then the Eagles with some injury concerns that they have and possibly resting their starters. So how likely that is is not very much. But when you're looking at what Washington needs to do, losing two of those final three against three tough teams. So those are no none of those games. I think I don't know if they'd be favored in any of those games, Griff. And then Seattle needing to lose just one. And they played the Chiefs and Jets, who are also trying to be in the playoff picture back to back. Those two teams. You have to feel good about Green Bay kind of almost controlling their own destiny. And at least moving forward, Green Bay is going to feel like any every win is crucial. And they're going to have a shot to make these playoffs as long as they keep winning. You know, two weeks ago, you were giving me the playoff scenario. After we beat the Bears, you were giving me the playoff scenario of what needs to happen, who needs to lose to who. And I was like, yeah, you know, all those, seems, all those things, they seem possible. They seem like likely even. But the, the likelihood of all of those things happening is very low and that's represented by the Packers at the time having like a four percent chance of making the playoffs and now my my if you couldn't tell my tune has shifted quite drastically where I am in full playoff mode I'm actually quite certain that this team is going to make the playoffs very foolishly because it's still my my reasoning still holds up like all these things like yeah Seattle losing to Kansas City that's probably likely and the Washington losing two out of three that's probably likely Packers winning their next three games maybe not likely but certainly possible and I think that uh if if I wasn't so silly I would be looking at the Packers now having about a 12% chance of making the playoffs. Bron, I know you, you're about to cut me off, I'm sure, because you hate these model projections. You hate these percentages because you think you know better than these percentages. But I'm telling you, buddy, these these percentages factor in everything you're laying out in front of me right now. It's the odds of all of this happening. It's, it's represented by the 12% number. So I am being a complete moron. But I have I have such hope in this team right now. And I'm, I blame you. And I'm ready to be hurt again. You know, I'm ready to be hurt if we lose to the Lions in Week 18 or if Seattle beats Kansas City. I'm, it's going to hurt so bad. It really is. It's going gonna, it's gonna to sting worse than maybe the playoff loss last year did. No, okay, don't get carried away. Don't get, but right, it's going to hurt. I'm going to have to cut you off. You can't get carried away here. We, this would all be... Very nice. This is nobody expected to be in this place, but I feel like, like you just said, I feel like a lot of people can thank us for putting them in that space. Of I don't know how many people were talking about the playoffs before I outlined some of these scenarios, Griff, and that's a reality. Uh, who was really <laughs> thinking about the playoffs at this point, even after we beat Chicago? But I put that out there because this is a conversation you need to have, and we have Aaron Rodgers. They don't know that part of it. That's again these models. They don't factor in the fact that we have Aaron Rodgers and we have... You Game's know, not that, played a on a spreadsheet. No, it is not, right, Griff? And, and so <laughs> I don't... These numbers are cute and nice, but really, what's the difference between 12% and... They're thinking, you know, we have a not likely chance to win our games, and they think that the Washington group of men in uniform are going to probably win a game <laughs> or two. 
And I don't know if those things are definites. I just when you no, play yeah, because... these things out, I just feel like the likelihood is for us to do what we it, we are going to have a chance based on us winning our games. That's all I'm saying, really. Is we're going to be in a position to make the playoffs if we win our games, and that's all you can ask for, and that's all I can offer. But I think that those those cases for us are something we can feel confident and strong about. So there is hope because I feel like it rests in our hands. Yeah, so even after a weekend where we see San Francisco beat the Seahawks and we see Washington lose to New York, you know, the Packers and the Packers obviously beat the Rams, it's still a 12% number. Why is that so low? That number is still so low because the odds of the Packers winning their next 3 games against 3 good teams, mind you, just the odds of that happening is low if you're looking at the spreadsheet. Me and you, Braun, we're sickos, and we have faith in this team. So that's why that's why I feel better, because it feels it's such a fan mentality, but it feels like whenever I'm watching, and if I root hard enough, and we have Aaron Rodgers, it feels like we could win all these games, you know? But obviously the, the, the models, the projections, the ELO rankings, the war rankings, whatever whatever you want to look at, they are looking at what the Packers have done this season, and what the Packers have done this season is win six games. So that is why the number is so low. But if the Packers win their remaining three games, I think, I don't know the exact number again, I don't have it in front of me, but Scott Van Pelt said after after the game that it would be 71%, I think he said, which is weird because 538 before this weekend had it at 76% if we won out. All these numbers are going to be different depending on where you're looking. But the number obviously shoots up drastically if the Packers win out. The reason it's so low is because the odds of the Packers winning their next three games is ju- it's just unlikely to happen. Griff, if faith was easy, everybody would have it. And I just feel like is you that have a Vince to look Lombardi quote? Sounds like it could be. It's I don't know if I've ever heard that before. It's probably some kind of famous quote, but I just said it from the heart. And my heart <laughs> is filled with green and gold blood, and I am a beautiful <laughs> Packers fan. With nothing but hope and faith, because that's all you can have. And Griff, how can you not be romantic about this game, football? Aaron Rodgers once said, and it rings true. Ah. And it rings true uh, for me and for you and for everybody out there. And I wish you all a merry Christmas. <laughs> what are we ending the show? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> uh, we're not. I just here. felt like I was. I almost felt like I was in a Christmas show or something. Closing the show. Yeah, that felt like your closing statements there. No, but. The Packers, yeah, they're gonna make the playoffs. I'm, I'm a, I'm an absolute moron. I really am. But I have, I've bought in so heavily. I really have. I have so much hope right now, and I'm already thinking about the narrative of, oh my God, man, when we, when, when we make the playoffs as the number seven seed, think about all the old takes that are gonna be dug up. Old takes of my own, mind you. I'm, I am worried about old takes of my own being dug up. So there is a, is there is a small part of me that is secretly hoping for the Packers to not make the playoffs so I don't look like a moron in four weeks. But um, hey, Griff, I, I me, think they're going to make the quickly, playoffs. Uh, let me quickly add to this, and I just want to say again, in 2016, to go back to this every time, right, but think about who would have really thought we were going to win six straight football games at four and six. No, I know, yeah. If you if you think of it with, an, with a fresh mind, act like you didn't know, like when you really like you just you just really just put yourself in your your 2016 shoes. That was well, the craziest was one of those thing people. I've ever witnessed. I but, right. But I, I, was I know what you're people. saying. Yeah, you've talked about you're, this quite a bit, Bron. Yes. So I I know that it may seem crazy, and you're sitting here saying you're a moron, but I don't think you're a moron yet. Even though I usually do. I'm gonna let you. I'm not gonna call <laughs> you a moron this week. 
but I, I just feel like I have faith and I've had faith and I'm going to continue to have faith. And I feel like every fan should, because that's the beauty in this. If we, if we just were to keep not playing for anything or to lose out and, and people were saying that before the bears game, just keep losing. But now we're in a position where we could make the playoffs and I feel good about our chances. And with the way we played today, uh, it, all it takes is just a little bit of luck and a few balls to bounce our way. And, and I feel like we could really get in this thing. A little bit of luck. We, well, balls have bounced our way so far, you know. And before the Bears game, after the Eagles game, which to me felt like the, the season ender. Well, really the Titans game felt like the season ender to me. But the Eagles game really felt like, okay, yeah, now we're absolutely 100% out of this thing. And at that point, we would have had to win five in a row. Well, guess what? We've won two in a row now. Have we won Two games in a row so far this yeah we won week three week we won three in a row to open the season we were three and one at one point good lord now we are six and eight what has happened to this season so many things that you think like I think Aaron said it at the press conference someone said no, it was definitely Aaron Aaron said that if if there's so many things that are going well for us right now as a team that you think like what if what if Keyshawn was returning kicks early on this season what if Christian was playing this well early on this season you know could have been a much different feeling here. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot, Griff. The Christian Watson thing in particular, just that one catch, if he makes that catch, I think, and other viewers as well think that that would have had a large impact on our <laughs> season in a positive way. And it's like these things, it's unfortunate that they occur at this point in the season, but it's kind of the way it goes when you come into a season with a lot of unknowns. And, and part of that was the loss of Devontae Adams and other guys like Zadarius Smith, when you lose guys that you count on and you have to find new guys to count on in different spots, that's tough, and you have to find those guys, and it takes time to do that. Uh, so for Green Bay, it seems like some of, the, some of those things are coming together down the stretch here. Hopefully it's not too little too late. Uh, right now they're in a position where it could matter, and it does matter. Um, but it's, it's unfortunate, but here we are, and we're still in this thing. And that's, again, the only thing you can ask for is a chance – and when you've got Aaron Rodgers and you've got these Green Bay Packers, it just feels like we've got a little bit better than the numbers say. It does. Aaron Rodgers, I think, makes a big difference. Man, Aaron was he was having fun out there tonight, wasn't he? So many things. I mean, him on the final drive of the game, that was like a beautiful drive to close out the game. Beautiful four-minute drill executed by the offense. Uh, over eight minutes shoot off the clock leading to them taking a knee at the one yard line wow what if i i don't know why but i feel like so many people would have felt so much better if we had just scored a touchdown there i mean it didn't matter but just being 31 to 12 that feels so much better than 24 to 12 but we take the knee nonetheless but that was still an eight minute drive that really killed the game iced the game and on that drive there was a play it was a handoff to patrick taylor where alan lazard is lined up at the uh on the right side Rodgers motions him in. He stops at the right side of the offensive line, you know, to really at the at that position where he does on the run plays. And then Aaron goes, "You gonna come all the way over or not?" <laughs> Lazard finishes the motion, comes over to the left side of the O line, and they snap the ball. And then just so many so many examples of Aaron just being he was just having fun out there tonight, man. It's December, Rodgers in the turtleneck in the green. We haven't worn green since week ten, Braun crazy but we wore green at home looked wonderful the vibes were immaculate tonight Rogers was having a great time yeah I mean I know he loves hitting Mercedes 
for a, a, oh, you know, how a nice fun was catch that, and run. Man. How fun Those are things that? that he likes. And, and I know he loves hitting Randall Cobb and, uh, and Christian Watson getting open and making tough catches. Like I thought the passing offense looked so smooth for pretty much the majority of the game. The, the passing offense was everything. It looked like 2021 in a lot of ways with some of the way that they were it getting It looked like 2020, dude. It looked yeah. beautiful out there, man. Like the some of the play action stuff was impressive, and it felt very reminiscent of some of our successes of the past two years. Um, so I, I like to think that this is where our offense is headed. They have to keep running the ball well and and do it more consistently. But uh, the protection was great. They didn't send much pressure, but the protection was great. And you that's you have to succeed, and that's all you can ask for. Even though the Rams were without Aaron Donald, and they're running a lot of two shell cover two, and it's just you have to. You have to work with what they give you, and and Green Bay did that. Rodgers didn't get hit too too much, but there were certainly some sacks, and a lot of those were on coverage. But uh, I thought, you know, we can work with this. I think this offense is we can win with this. Even this year, we can win with this because there's a lack of talent in this NFC, and I think we can get to the playoffs with this with this offense. You talked about the quartet of of guys that we have now playing the majority of snaps at receiver. Injuries would be a brutal thing uh, in that you know in this in this room, but we do have four guys you feel nice about, and Rogers trusts. I think that that's starting to be a reality where the trust is developing with all four of those guys. Obviously, Randall and Allen owning it already, but and then Tunyon looked nice at times. He's still a piece for us, and the offensive line protected well. So I think this is something we can go out there and try to win with. Everything just looked wonderful out there offensively. The run game was looking good. The passing offense, man, I haven't seen the passing offense look so smooth all season, it feels like, because outside of the explosive plays that we had against Dallas, like when was the last time we had just a just a smooth staying on schedule? There was not a whole lot of penalties, no false starts, like... We, we weren't shooting ourselves in the foot too much. And even in a game where we weren't shooting ourselves in the foot too much, we still did with the fumble and the weird pick. But outside of those plays, it looked like the 2020 offense. A lot of this time, I was, I don't know why, probably just because it was on Monday night, but a lot of this game, I was reminded of the week four victory over the Atlanta Falcons on Monday night football, where not any really major highlight plays, but just just smooth offense, man. That's what a lot of 2020 was, was just productive, high EPA, high yards per play, just moving the chains consistently on the ground and through the air, off the play action. Um, I don't love recording right after the game because one of the drawbacks is that we don't have some of the advanced statistics. We don't have the PFF numbers. We don't have the EPA numbers. I We also haven't watched the game a second time. So, but so I can't really cite some of these things, but the play action offense really it just felt like off of only one viewing, it felt like it was really productive, more productive than it's been in a long time. And that goes for everything that uh, involved in the Packers passing offense. It looked really really good out there, and I think it does have to do with the de- development of guys like Dobbs and Watson and the reliance on reliance on Randall Cobb who continues to play really well. Um I <laughs> just because you know, we won and there's not, we're not, for once, we're not sitting here complaining for an hour. I do want to mention there was an article that comes out earlier this week, Ron, about Rogers and the hand signals. I did not read this article just because I did not want to get involved in the drama. I did not want to get involved in the cycle of takes. But um, as far as I know, it was basically, uh, the, it, the article cited guys like Amari Rogers, Kylan Hill, Chris Blair, well, these guys are legends, so... <laughs> I know, these guys are future Hall of Famers um, once they hang them up. But they're talking about how Rodgers uses 
the hand signals that may go back to years past offenses that uh, and these these hand signals are not like taught formally by the coaching staff. The coaching staff actually doesn't even know um, the full extent of all these hand signals. And there's like these quizzes on Saturdays that they they test the receivers on the hand signals. I mean, that's that was a crazy day when this article comes out. It's just it's a yearly thing at this point. A, a article or a report comes out about Aaron Rodgers with unnamed sources or named sources in this case of legends like Amari Rodgers. Where they they're I mean they weren't even bashing him in this article, but Amari was quoted saying that you know he comes off as unapproachable sometimes. Before I let you before I let you go off here, Bron, I'm going to give my take here. When you see plays like Alan Lazard in the 2020 playoffs, where Rogers points at him, goes Alan, and then points at the coverage, and then like that's just an unspoken thing between them. And then it's a it's a 65 yard touchdown or whatever it was. And when you see the same things happen with guys like Devontae Adams, when you see that happen with Christian Watson, we've seen it happen with. That's because it, it works. The hand signals, as complicated as they may be, it works. And it produces back-to-back MVP years. It produces back-to-back years of us being the best offense in football. Because Rodgers is one of the goats of the NFL. You know, if you're a receiver and you're brought in to play for the Green Bay Packers, part of that job is you have to get on the same page as number 12 because he runs the show here. Like it or not, he runs the show here. And if you get on the same page as him, guess what? You're going to have a great career, and you're going to be around for a long time. If you cannot get on the same page with him, which at this point my guess would be that Amari Rodgers was simply unable to get on the same page of Rodgers and all the hand signals because he saw the field so little when he was in Green Bay, if you're unable to get on the same page as Rodgers, you're out the door. That's just part of the job. That If you're going to play receiver for the Packers, it's part of the job, like it or not. But for when it works, it works really well, as we've seen throughout Rodgers' career. Griff, I couldn't even believe this was news to some people. I, I the, We all know that Aaron Rodgers has signals with his receivers. Do this, the coaching staff has no need to know these, for the record. There's no reason to, for them to know these. These are not play calls. These are things that Aaron Rodgers will see pre-snap and then he will alert his receiver, and whatever route he's telling them to run, it's some signal. That is this news to me? I don't think this is news. Uh, <laughs> this is not something... Like, we all see it every week. I mean, I don't know what the big deal is. I, I don't understand what the, the fodder was all about with this, uh, with this conversation. To me, this is not something that was news, and I was surprised to see everybody reacting to it. Um, but I, I don't care. Uh, I have no desire to even discuss this really but with guys like Amari <laughs> Rogers who played 14 snaps at receiver for us I'm sure it probably was hard because he got cut and just like Kylan Hill who isn't a receiver for some reason you mentioned because I guess he was in that article as well he was cut for being a poor teammate uh, so another great reference and then Chris Blair who everybody knows including <laughs> Uh, I, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I have to, I have to say, uh, you know, not the best, uh, you know, if you had Jordy or Devante or even like a guy like Geronimo Allison, like anybody who oh, caught yeah, a pass yeah, from Aaron, yeah. you know, but these guys are <laughs> off the team for a reason. Clearly they had a hard time learning these signals and maybe they should go back to the classroom and figure that one out for their future teams. <laughs> oh Some of them God. won't be playing again, unfortunately either, which is part of it. But I don't want to even bother with this too much, but again, Amari, like, if, if Rodgers felt like he was unapproachable, it's because you played, like, awfully for the entire stretch of your Packers career, and wasn't, you weren't on the field much either, um, but <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, how could you, 
how is Aaron Rodgers unapproachable? I mean, all he wants to do is get better and help you get better and help us try to win. And so I don't, I don't understand that conversation either. But when you, when you fumble every other punt return, it's hard to be, you know, excited to <laughs> talk to you, I guess. So that's my, that's my, that's, <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. But yeah, I don't know. Not really. That was not See, news to me. And I don't understand why everybody was so up in arms about Aaron Rodgers having hand signals with his receivers. Oh my God. That's why I brought it up. I, I wanted to hear your spiel and, uh, you made it worth my time. Thank you for that. Uh, this, this, that's just so funny, man. Amari Rogers. No, what reminded me of that was that on the final drive, the the four minute drill to ice the game, you saw the goal line, not the quite the goal line, but near the goal line where it's a it's a bubble set outside to Rogers' right. Watson is far outside. Rogers gives him a hand signal. I don't know if you noticed this, Bron, but they on the replay they showed Rogers gave him like he rubs the sleeve type of thing, and then Christian it did Christian even look? I'm not sure, but whatever no. it was, he blocked because he clearly thought it was a run play didn't look for the ball hits the dirt and then Rodgers was seen uh kind of chewing him out he he didn't apologize but he mentioned it at his uh post-game press conference you know it was no big deal of course um but that was just it was just so funny that the week after this article comes out about the hand signals that uh it's clear and obvious that Christian missed the hand signal there I just thought that was funny yeah, it, it, he's a rookie. It happens, but Christian was on record saying that, you know, and Romeo too. These are not uh, these are non-issues for them, and and they always talk about how great Aaron's been with them and how approachable he is. So, I mean, the guys that have success don't have issues with Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. That's exactly what it is, man. That's I guess that's what I was trying to say earlier. Guys who have had success, Randall Cobb, it, it's they don't have issues with Aaron because. There's there's a reason you have an issue with Aaron. It's probably because you're not very good one way or another. But uh, the unapproachable thing, I just thought of this, you know, Aaron says every time he talks about Christian Watson how up his ass he is, <laughs> like how Aaron or how Christian Watson he cares about it. He's always asking questions. Clearly Watson doesn't view Rodgers as being unapproachable. And then do you remember earlier this season Rodgers talked about having lunch with Romeo, private lunch with Rome's? So yeah, I mean, it's it's just the guys like Amari. It's the guys like Jeff Janis who have an issue with Aaron, probably because Aaron has an issue with you in some way. Aaron Rodgers expects greatness, so he's not going to tolerate anything less. Like, he, he wants to be great. He wants to win. So I he has a high standard. He's Some would call him difficult to work with. I call him a winner. You know, I, I don't want to hear <laughs> this. Some of these things, he just has a high standard for success. And if you don't meet that standard, it's it's hurting him, and it's hurting the team trying to win. I, I understand that completely. I, I never have had any issue with him as a leader. People talk about that. I, I've never had a single issue with him as a leader, the way he leads, the way he speaks to players, none of it. I have, I have zero issue with him, especially when it comes to in the locker room leadership stuff. I've never had that issue, despite the many people who have whatever brought that issue up and the many national media members that treat it as if it's an issue. I think anybody in the building and, and who has success and is a part of the why, the reason why Green Bay is a successful franchise every year, and anybody who understands that locker room at any level knows that he is one of the league's best leaders. All right, that's enough of that. Got bored of that conversation. Um, let's talk about the defense, Bron. 
defense looked good tonight. Baker Mayfield, you know, Baker Mayfield has the big comeback drive on two, uh, last Thursday night against the Raiders where everyone's all excited about Baker Mayfield with Sean McVay. But if you watch that game, they were down 16-3 to for most of it because Baker was not playing very well. No one expected him to play well because it was a new offense. He'd been there for two days, but he wasn't playing very well in that game. And so I did not expect him to come into Lambeau Field where it was 15 degrees and play well. And what do you know? He did not play well. 57.1 completion percentage, only 111 yards, 5.3 yards per attempt. He got a touchdown in there, but also a pick, which was really just a terrible interception. Baker doesn't play well. Defense looks good for most of the night outside of some minor nitpicks that have to do with one Joseph Berry. But outside of that, pass rush looked good. Five sacks. Kenny Clark was dominant. Preston Smith had two sacks. Kingsley Anikbare looked really good. Coverage was, I mean, it's so hard to even talk about the coverage when this game just ended an hour ago. But to me, on first viewing, it looked fine, you know? So I was very happy with the uh, the defensive performance, although I can't say I expected anything less than this. Yeah, I, I almost think they have to play better, even though that number 12 points is a nice number to see. But I feel like there were parts of what they were doing that weren't good enough. Um and look, this is the standard in Green Bay is you have to play, and especially in this stretch that we're going on here where we're trying to win uh, and get into these playoffs. Two in a row we've got here. We're trying to play our best ball. I think there's something to build on here, but I, I don't think it was good enough, uh, especially against this group when you're talking about a guy who just got into that building a little over a week ago um, at quarterback for them, and then the lack of receiving talent they have at this point. They're trotting out guys that aren't very talented. Van Jefferson and Tutu Atwell are their two pretty decent guys, and Ben Skoranek is another guy that's been contributing for them this year, but not anything that we, with our secondary, you'd think that we'd be able to, to cover. Um, I thought, in terms of guys who I thought played well, um, you mentioned uh, King, Kenny Clark. I thought he had a phenomenal game. Uh, I thought Quay Walker had a really nice game. Kingsley and Preston both off the edge played really well. I thought Justin Hollins had a, had a nice game. So there was guys up front that I thought played really solid ball. And it's nice to have Devondre back in there kind of controlling things and that getting that linebacker duo back. It, it's helpful. Um, but there, there was run defense issues. I thought Amos was not good in coverage tonight. He had that one uh, pass interference that everybody remembers. But he just, you know, he's not being able to – he can't run with receivers at this point. Uh, no, that's a play, big issue, I think, right. with Amos. He's really fallen off speed-wise. Yeah, and the safety play wasn't great tonight. and Some of the coverage was not perfect. There were guys that got open in spurts here and there. But, you know, I thought for the most part, good defensive effort. Just I think they have to be better. Especially, what are they going to do in Miami next week? Oh, I mean, God. It, I, I have me. concerns. I have concerns about their coverage the coverage could be ugly. I, I do think that could be a real problem against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. That speed. Oh my! I have good concerns. God. I really have concerns. I do. Dude, um, this could get I, bad. It. That's the. We have. We can't do anything on. Even though the, the downfall of this team will be the defense. If it's if it's gonna happen, if we are gonna go into Miami next week, and if we're gonna lose, it's begin, it's gonna be because of the defense not being able to to move up and play against. This. Bro, we haven't we haven't lost a game because of the offense since when? I don't even nine. know. Right. Because even yeah. against the Titans, against the Titans, the offense kind of choked it at the end there. But the defense gave up a career game to Ryan Tannehill. He threw like and, four incompletions. Right. And they had nothing on offense from a passing standpoint either. So it just, that's, that's, and that game was in Lambeau Field. It's pathetic stuff, right? But 
this it has to be better. That's why I'm saying, Griff. Everybody's you know, oh, the defense five sacks. I, this has to it has to be better than this. I don't think that's unfair. The standard is high because we've got to play good teams moving forward, and you sh- you should put twelve on the board against this Packers defense and no more when you're that kind of Rams team. But Miami, you know, I'm afraid that that could be a little more difficult, and I don't think that's. Uh, that's you know surprising to anybody who's listening. Uh, Miami's going to be a, a difficult challenge, and they've got a decent running game. Tua has been better than he was in previous years at the very least, and the receiving talent they have is is just out of this world in terms of the speed. So we're going to have to find a way to, to focus in on that and make sure they beat us some other way than those guys. God, dude, I we really have to play the Dolphins on Christmas. I haven't. Ugh, I haven't even begun to thought about what that could look like. I've only thought about how happy my Christmas will be if we win. But that could actually, yeah, that could get really bad. It could, because Adrian Amos at safety, he has really struggled this year in pass coverage. I mean, he's still a great tackler, and he's still, you know, he knows the game really well. He's a smart guy, but I think he has kind of hit the wall athletically um, from a speed perspective, especially because there was a play where Baker Mayfield actually got sacked, but Tutu Atwell's running a corner route, and just Amos just can't keep up with him you know I, I I'm sure you remember what play I'm talking about here is at the beginning of the game and Amos he's he's looked like that a lot this season so thinking about him trying to contain Tyreek Hill thinking about Adrian Amos being the last line of defense against Tyreek Hill when he can just pop 70 yard touchdown at any point in the game that does scare me it does give me a lot of uh fear but in, in terms of this game, if you take out the, the, the Rams' one touchdown drive, they had a touchdown, which, oh my god, this just felt like such a Packers defense drive, because it was right after we scored a touchdown to go up two scores in the second half, and then the Packers defense gives up a six-play, 70-yard touchdown drive to the LA Rams, featuring a touchdown to Tyler Higby, where he was quite literally untouched. Not one guy touched him. He just ran a dig route, just sat down. No one touched him. That's the biggest problem with zone coverage. You know, zone coverage inherently isn't a terrible thing. When you can run match zones, you can run bluff coverages where it's complex zone coverage, but it's still zone coverage and it has a lot of man principles. But so much of this Joe Barry defense is guys, you, you, like let's say they run cover three. You have three, three defenders covering, they each have a deep third of the field. And these guys will just drop to a spot on the field and just stay there. They're not rerouting these receivers. They're not contacting these receivers. It doesn't even look like they have eyes on any particular receiver. It's, it just, they they drop to a spot of the field, they drop to their zone, and they just sit there. And that's what happened on the touchdown. It happened on the opening drive of the game. That's the stuff. That's the zone coverage that I talk about when I complain about Joe Barry. That's the that's the stuff that's just so annoying because we, I mean, we say this every week, broken record, but we have the guys to make plays. We have the guys who can get physical with these receivers. Even a tight end like Tyler Higby, I mean, it feels like that's something that Amos or Rudy Ford would be good at getting physical with a big tight end like that, but... No, everyone just kind of drops back to their spot in the end zone. And that's the thing that we do when we're up two scores. You know, it makes sense you're going to play a little bit more con- conservative defensively when you're uh, when you're up big in a game like that, but still, can we just get can we get be a little bit more aggressive? Because if we had prevented that touchdown, I think you would feel really good about this defense right now, Bron. Well, Griff, you're right, and the sad part of everything you just said is they were conservative yet still allowed the touchdown, and that's basically the problem, right? If you're going to be conservative, <laughs> you're just and giving them a touchdown. 
Yeah, you might as well be aggressive and allow a touchdown if you're going to be conservative and allow a touchdown. Um, and, and at one point on the broadcast, they said something, you know, I think Joe said something about Matt LaFleur saying he was fed up with the passive level of defensive play. And I was just like, wow. But that it's true. And it's something that we talk about every week. And it, it, if we don't make the playoffs and go on a run, it's going to be the reason that Joe Barry is no longer a member of this esteemed franchise. So uh, he is a problem. Can we overcome it? Let us hope. But I feel strongly that this defense needs to play better. And it would have been nice. Like it, maybe I don't know. I don't. I feel like this is a little bit of a negative show. For some reason, we feel a little more negative. But I just think we. I I think we need to put more points on the board than we did. And it was disappointing to not make this game a little more I, I thought we really could have dominated and it felt like we should have but it's, it felt like every time we were trying to put this game away or put more points on the board that we should have had something stupid happens whether it was the Lazard Rogers pick the Aaron Jones fumble where the referee could have stopped the oh. play with forward progress <laughs> like four seconds before he fumbled and then it just another weird one where Cobb catches the ball they call it incomplete, but he actually caught it. looked like he fumbled, but we recovered it, and we still would have had a gain of yardage on the play. Ends up, they call it incomplete. It's third and ten instead of, like, third and five. And then it's just these things, like, every little thing, it was just so weird. That was the dumbest play of the night, bro. That was so stupid. And there were a lot of candidates. It was, Yeah, a lot of candidates. But that was a clear catch, and they called it a catch originally, a ref then comes in after the play is over and calls it incomplete. Don't know where he came from. Don't know what his viewpoint on the play was. But it was clearly a catch. And I swear to God, again, haven't rewatched the game. But I swear to God, I thought I heard a whistle for forward progress before the ball came out. Because if it was a catch, it would have been a fumble. But we recovered it anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. But I swear to God, before the ball is ripped away from Randall Cobb, I thought I heard a whistle. I don't know. If I didn't, if there was no whistle, then I sound stupid. But I, I swear, I thought I heard a whistle. Well, if there that wasn't a whistle, they should have blown one. If there wasn't, they should have because he was held up for two seconds. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. They're they're very quick. This to call was a that. really weird ref game. Well, very and think about game. how many think about how many Keyshawn Nixon returns that were just you know I think was there two that were flagged for holdings? Like I don't even remember, but it just felt like there was. I think that's right, but I just know that there was many things that went weirdly, and I don't know why that was or whatever the case is. Um, and when I talk about balls bouncing our way, I'm not even talking about other teams kind of doing what we need to them to do, uh, you know, having these outcomes in our favor. I'm talking about in our own games to have the ball bounce our way <laughs> because that just doesn't happen very much for us. Uh, and in this game in particular, they were giving us every year. chance to lose that one. I mean, there was a lot of weird things that happened where it felt like we could have let this thing slip um, because we should have put maybe 40 on the board, and that, I don't think I'm exaggerating. Close to 40, probably two more touchdowns at the very least, Griffin. Um, I, I just, I don't know. Like, to, to get to, and then to kneel, it was almost like the perfect bow to tie onto this whole game was having the Packers up by 12 with a minute plus at the one yard line after getting a first down, kneeling it out. It's just like that was, <laughs> that was oh just the perfect God. that was the perfect way to end this weird game that I felt like we dominated, but the scoreboard says a little bit otherwise. And how good can you really feel when you only beat this team by twelve? And you should have put many more points on the board. And the defense had its issues. It's just like how good can you really feel? But okay, the, I the think good news is they feel the fine. Is, they Griff, feel fine. 
They feel fine, but how do I feel? And that's all that matters on this show. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I just I would like to see a little more dominance because I want to see us play like a playoff team. That's the goal. That's the whole. That's the name of this game when you're in week 15, 16, 17, 18. You need to just play. Okay, I think they looked like a playoff team tonight. I do. I think they. they I have think they looked the really points, good on offense. But they have to put the points on the board. This, you know, the, I think they now have to. If we're in a scenario where this is a shootout, we do. If we, they're doing this in Miami, we don't Griff, kneel it. If they're doing right, but if they're if they're playing like this, that's the one thing. But if they do this in Miami, where they're maybe in a shootout, like you just mentioned, and they're missing these opportunities and just these little things occurring, that some of them are their fault. Some of it is is luck and the referees and the ball not bouncing their way. But if they're not capitalizing on these things and putting points on the board come next week and we're playing a better football team with a lot of firepower, it could hurt us. So when we're doing it against a team of this caliber, and I mean that with the least respect possible because they are a terrible football team in their current state, (laughs) if they do this against a great team or a good team like Miami, that could be a, a troubling situation where we could lose and we can't afford to lose. So I just, I don't have the, I don't have that same like, Oh well, at least we won. Like we need to be playing like a playoff team, and I don't know if I. It felt like we did that on offense at times, but it also felt like how good, how good this this team is very poor right now. They're just so injury riddled and so bad. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm over exaggerating. Maybe I'm being a little dramatic. No, I, I get where is, you're coming. We're from. We're right after the game here, Griffin. Like we, you know, we always talk about we're a little more emotional right after the game when we record and. I, I just feel like we need to play better to, to try to do anything this year, and I want to win, as you know. Yeah, so you, because the Rams are so bad, you wanted to see the Packers blow them out of the water. And if you look at anything except the final score, I think they did that, really. I think they played really well. The Packers had 27 first downs. The Rams had 13. The Packers went 4 of 9 on third down. That's not terrible. Uh, they were 3-for-5 in the red zone. They had 345 offensive yards to the Rams, 156. They dominated this game. The scoreboard's not going to tell you that, and it would be nice for literally no reason at all because it means nothing. But it would be it would be nice for us knowing that we scored 30 and we beat them by three scores. But I think if you watch the game, which we obviously both did, I think I think... I feel okay about this performance. I do. I if we play, we dominated. We we beat the we beat the Rams by a lot, and it wasn't close. And it never felt like it was close. And it never felt like, oh boy, we gotta tighten up here on D. You know, in the second half, it never felt like that because <laughs> we were we were uh, we were up by a lot, and we were playing well. And it never we never hit the wall on offense. We had one drive stall out. We had one punt in this game, only one punt, and that was the drive. That's part of it. Where Griff. We scored twenty four points with one punt, and I just feel like we left a lot out there. And I I want to <laughs> win, and I want to I want to play like I want to fire on all cylinders. I these are the things like I want to see them do. Trying to get down the stretch run and trying to win games like it would have just been so much more. I think there would have been a lot more momentum than there even is now. I because I think they're carrying a lot of it, but. I think a performance where they it doesn't the point total isn't the, the dominance whatever I I just wish they were a little more efficient like a little more successful putting points on the board the amount of success they had versus the points to show for it I just wish they based on that success because they had a lot of it I just wish they translated that into more points and that's my issue I just feel like they left so much on the table so much out there and maybe that's why you know we're straight off the game like I said maybe that's why I'm a little more pessimistic than usual but. I mean, I'm sure you and many of the viewers imagine me after a win like this being a lot more optimistic, and I, I feel great about our chances. I just something about the way that this game went for me 
just felt like we left way too much out there, and we can't afford to do that, especially you know doing it against a team like this. We've got games coming up where we just cannot afford to do it because one slip-up, and we are out, and that is it. And it's unfortunate, and I, I have a lot of hope that we can do it right, but we have to start playing like it. I will say, if we if we lose to the Dolphins next week, you're going to come on the midweek show next week talking about, well, if the if the Commanders lose out and the Giants lose out and the Seahawks lose one more game and the Packers win out, they can still get in. Then we're going to repeat the process um, once again. Um, we're going to talk a lot more about the Dolphins game, I imagine, on the midweek show this week, which we will be doing. And by the way, if you are unaware, that is our voicemail and email show. So if you want to call into the show, if you want to email the show, send in a question, send in a take of some sort, you can do that by calling the number 920-430-0711. Or if you'd rather email, you can email us at todayintitletown at gmail.com. Send that in before, I would say, in the, within the next couple days of when you're listening to this so that we can get it in time and answer those questions or read your takes or play your takes on the show um, coming out later this week. That's going to be fun. We're going to talk a lot about the Dolphins game because it's a huge game. And I'm re- I'm really excited for that Christmas Day game. It might ruin my Christmas and my the, the Christmas of 2022 may be highlighted in my memory for years to come by the Packers' tragic loss to the Miami Dolphins, which ended their season on Christmas Day. But I'm hoping it's the opposite. You know, hoping for that. And it's going to be a good game regardless. I think it's going to be close. It's going to be a fun game. Dolphins coming off a three-game losing streak. But uh, we know, obviously, they have a lot of talent on offense. And we know how good they have been um, at prior points this season. So it's going to be a great game. going to be a fun game. Packers, man, I'll say it again. I'm, I have hope, foolishly. I am but a fool. I have hope in this for, for this team's playoff hopes. Oh, what have I done to my? What have you done to me, man? I, did I, not I get I'll to this take point. the blame for this, especially if it all goes yeah. south. But the good news is it, we're wrapping a lot of momentum. We're wrapping a lot of momentum in a box here, and Green Bay Packers at the top of that box, written on that uh, name tag. So Santa Claus wow. is coming to town. We are going to Miami though, so we're gonna be out of town. But uh, uh. a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. It could be. Uh, this could be detrimental to our Christmas health, but it also could be a special thing. Uh, so here we are, right? We're moving to Christmas time here. This is Christmas time, Christmas week, um, and we are coming off of a win. So there are. It's going to be a good week. A lot of a lot to hope for. A lot to be excited about. A lot of reason to have faith, um, and not just the Christmas season faith. I'm talking about faith in this team. So a lot to mm. be excited. Uh, and I, no I'm matter how it seemed. No matter how it seemed throughout the show, I'm I'm very happy. I'm I was happy well, I think this I've morning been, when I woke up. I've been more pessimistic than you, and that's a little bit out of my nature. But I, I as you know, but I feel good. I've, I we are still in this great spot, so I feel great. And I'm just a little more subdued because of I feel like like I said we left a lot out there. But I, I am very confident in what we can do moving forward. Yeah, me too. Me too. And. I have hope. So that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked it, you can rate us five stars on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this show. You can rate us five stars, leave a review, send us feedback on Instagram at Today in Title Town. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers. Braun is on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. If you don't already follow us, make sure to do that. Follow the show on Instagram at Today in Title Town. Um, and that is everything. So thank you so much for listening. Go Pack Go. Merry Christmas. Yes, Griff, the Christmas season is upon us, and hopefully... Santa Claus is going to bring us something nice on Christmas Day in Miami. Thank you for listening, everybody. As always and forever, Go Pack Go! (laughs) 